Welcome back to the 7pm Cafe Podcast. Today is a new episode. I am interviewing Ryan Burton. I met Ryan at the Big Apple Circus. He was the house manager and I applied to be a house crew and I got the job. So we worked together from October 2019 through February 2020. The circus ended right before the pandemic and quarantine happened. Ryan was on his third season with the Big Apple Circus. He toured with the circus in previous seasons. Sadly, for my season, they, they didn't tour, but it worked out because pandemic happened. So it would have been canceled anyway. But Ryan had the experience to tour and he was on his third season. So we get to talk about that and learn more about Ryan. So grab your coffee, your tea, your favorite drink and listen. Welcome back to the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. We have a new episode and today we have Ryan Burton, originally from Massachusetts, living now in New York. I met Ryan at the Big Apple Circus last year, not last year, like 2019 to 2020, the season of the 42nd season of the Big Apple Circus. Welcome, Ryan. Well, thank you for having me. So let me tell you a little bit about a story. So I was living in LA in 2018 and my friend comes to LA and we go to the movies and we saw um, The Greatest Showman. You saw that movie? Yes. So I saw that movie and I was like, I was blown away by the story. And like, I thought to the universe, I'm like, okay, this seems so much fun. But like, I never, like I didn't grow up. I grew up in the island in Puerto Rico, so we didn't have circus. I think they came once and we might have gone but like I didn't grow up knowing the circus even though like I came to New York on the summertime but I never like experienced it so moving forward I come back to New York in 2019 I'm looking for a job and the funny thing Ryan I got a job for a store on Friday and then on Saturday they told me to go back for an interview and they told me I got the job But obviously, like, I, I love the arts. So, like, I didn't want to be in a store. Oh, and I'm looking on Saturday, like, I'm looking for anything. <laughs> and I found the circus ad for the front house crew. And I messaged, and you answer, And you told me to come on Sunday <laughs> to, like, the interview. And I'm like, this seems so sketchy. Because <laughs> it's a Sunday. And then you saw Lincoln Center. <laughs> and, like, I didn't know the circus was always there. So, like, for me, it's everything new. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm going for exactly. <laughs> and then we met and I got the job. Tell us a bit about your experience with the Big Apple Circus. When did it start? Well, thank you for your story because I had no clue what your what your story was that, that led you to the circus. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. It's It was pretty similar to yours in a way. Um, I had lived in New York for about seven years consecutively. And I was doing, I had a day job and then at night I would work, you know, in theater and just like random jobs at random shows. And then finally, I kind of got burnt out from the New York hustle. You know how the New York hustle mm -hmm. used to be, you know, and we had lives. And so I was doing 
you know, working at theaters, doing background work, and I was just kind of getting burnt out. So I ended up moving back to Massachusetts because I was running out of ideas. And I really was not in a good place mentally, financially, I was not in a good place. So I'm like, how am I going to get out of this rut? So I went online and then I saw this, this job opportunity for the circus. And I, I never had the circus on my radar. Like I never thought of like the idea that I wish I did, but I said, Hmm, this sounds interesting. This could be the escape I need. Cause mm-hmm. I really didn't want to go back to New York. I really wasn't crazy about LA at that point. So I'm like, well, this could either work out or it won't. So I applied for the job to um, the the house manager at the time named Sarah. And she must have thought I was desperate because I emailed her like (laughs) 10 times because I was just so gung-ho about this idea in my brain. So finally she answered and um, we did a phone interview or something. And I remember feeling good about it and just... I was just hoping, you know, I'm, I, I, have, I have pretty good survival methods. Like I would have survived, I think, but I was really hoping for this, this circus opportunity. So I get the call that I got the job as a touring usher. And I had no clue what that meant. <laughs> and and um, I had no clue what I was getting myself into. So when, So at that time, the show was on tour. So they already had left Lincoln Center okay. and they were in Atlanta. So I was already out of my comfort zone. I took a flight, took the flight to Atlanta, never been there before. And then I showed up to the lot in Atlanta. And I'm like, what the, what the hell did I do? Like, what am I, <laughs> what am I doing here? Do I really want this job now? And because we were right in the middle of loading and you've seen load out, you know, you see how that process goes and it's so bizarre. And I had no like experience with that. And they throw you in and you're you know, you're pushing vinyl and you're, you know, carrying heavy things. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> this isn't the circus. So after, so after getting, so, I, so poor Sarah was probably like, oh God, you know, why did I hire him at first? But, <laughs> but I, so by the time we got to opening night, I was like, I don't even know if I want to be here. But then opening night happened in Atlanta and Lucy, that just, that cemented why I was there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. hearing the band warm up and then seeing the lights and then seeing the acts. It, it brought me back to those years in New York, you know, working in theater. So I said, oh, that's why I'm here. And I immediately fell in love with the environment and the inclusivity of it and the diversity. I mean, you've been in that big top. I mean, you have people from all over the world in that big top, uh, performers, staff. So I really fell in love with it. So yeah, that's my, that's how I started with the circus. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's one of the things that blew me away from the circus. Like I've been in theater and they're very inclusive. Like I had never had any problems, but like in the circus, everyone is welcome. Like we Mm -hmm. have so many people from so different backgrounds and like it didn't matter your identity or who you were, what you like, everyone is welcome. Yes. And that's what I fell in love with. And that's what kept me around. And so when I got promoted to, I never got really promoted for anything at any other jobs because no one that looked like me or acted like me ever got promoted to positions of power. That's just how it worked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was always the same kind of person over and over. So when I got the call for house manager, I which is for my third season, I really couldn't believe it because I had never been... I did believe it because that's what the circus is. It's an environment that promotes um, difference and celebrates people who are different, not just of gender or sexual orientation, but also ability. And so so just like you said, that's that's what keeps me attracted to being at the circus. 
Can you tell us a little bit about the Halloween event so people can understand how inclusive everything is <laughs> and oh, how crazy oh, it can get? <laughs> oh, good Lord. The, the <laughs> I could still feel the temperature of the big top. It was so hot in there that night. Yes. So following up to our Halloween night, Big Apple, I'm trying to think of the, the year prior, we had a drag queen, Derek Barry, come in and who's a who's a, like a world renowned Britney Spears impersonator. And he did a performance of circus because we were in the circus. So I already knew that Big Apple was not like afraid to open the door. But Halloween night, 20, what year was that? 2019? 2019. Don't even know anymore. Um, <laughs> seems like so long ago now. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we had all those fabulous drag queens there and the audience was, I, I want to say, primarily queer, LGBTQ. I mean, everyone was in these outlandish costumes. And so that was, talk about, you know, diversity. I mean, talk about a safe space. I mean, that was a fabulous evening. And I love that we, the company allowed us to wear our costumes. Mm -hmm. It was a real, you, just when you were starting to get bored with the job, like an exciting night like Halloween can take place. So Halloween, what did you think of Halloween? It felt like a really like a big party. It didn't feel like a working <laughs> day. It felt like we were all celebrating, not even just Halloween, just like being yourself. Like we were not, nobody was afraid to be themselves. That's really one of the things that I really love about that night. Nobody was judging anybody. Like everyone was out. And it was like, even, and we had kids. So it, that was like blowing my mind. Like, yes, welcome the kids to see everyone just how they are. Yes. And that's how it should be always, you know, um, unfortunately, I think we still have a lot of work to do when it comes to that sort of freedom. But when you feel it on a night like that, it's magical, you know, it's absolutely magical. Because like you said, no one's judging anybody. You're free, you're uninhibited, you know, you're just enjoying yourself. And so that was a, that was a beautiful evening. I'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. And it's like interesting, different nights, because you remember opening night too, mm. all the celebrities. I've never been in, in such a one place with so many celebrities. Yes. Opening night was, it was crazy because opening night was very overwhelming for me. I remember, I, I don't know if that was the night I broke down in tears. There was a night that was just because I was already so stressed out from the, my job, but, um, yeah, but I've never seen that either. Like the amount of celebrities we had that evening, it was it was crazy. And the press, and it, it was, and then to read the reviews, you know, and all that, it was really exciting. To give people like an like an idea, like in my section, I had Lee Manuel Miranda <laughs> sitting there with his kid and his wife, and he was like, and then the I forgot her name um, from Law and Order. Oh, Mariska Hargitay. Yeah, she came. I she came to say good, hello to like Lin-Manuel and like they're sitting there during intermission having a conversation and I'm right there and I'm like I'm blown away you didn't even like I didn't even want to say nothing because like at the same time they're having a family night because she she had her kids too and it's like people why don't you take a picture or like something like that like no they're coming here and they're having a family night like the, let them enjoy why would you like because I know like some of the ushers wanted to take pictures but for me it's like let them have this night because like they they deal too much with fans and all that stuff and it was beautiful to see them just being a family having fun yes i remember watching um not like i wasn't stalking them but i remember just looking over at marishka hargate during the show and her enjoying it and yeah let them be i mean they're not they're not there to it's not like 
they were there to be swarmed by fans. Like you said, they were there to enjoy the evening and watch the show and enjoy the magic. Mm -hmm. It was like a beautiful moment to see the humanity too. Because like, I feel like we, when we see celebrities, we put them in a pedestal like they're not human. <laughs> But like we get to see them like enjoying themselves. And like for Lemona, like I know like he, he likes to like don't put his kids on social media. So like it was interesting to see him with his kid because he doesn't show him that much. Yes, it's, I know we do, unfortunately. It's good to idolize people, but we have to remember, you know, that they are humans and to, to respect them. But, but yeah, we never knew. I mean, we had people coming in and out of there. I forget who else we had. I think we had um, Robert De Niro come in. Mm -hmm. And I think I want to say Liam Neeson. I could be making yeah, he that. Won. He was, was a, okay. He was so, the only one that I got a picture with. <laughs> oh, that's, yes. I remember people were swarming him as he was yeah. trying to leave. I was like, oh, good. And I got yelled at. But yeah, people were, were desperately Sorry, trying. Sorry, Ryan. Okay. <laughs> you never did anything wrong. Don't apologize. <laughs> But yeah, so you never knew because we were in New York, too. I mm -hmm. mean, we've been in play. Let me tell you, you if the, if that was a normal tour, you know, we would have been all over the, you know, the East Coast. Hopefully next season if we come back, you know. I know. I was so sad that we, you guys were not touring. So I didn't I get know. to experience that. <laughs> I know. You, I think you would have adapted well to it. I really do. I'm, and because you're, you're really out of your comfort zone. I mean, as an usher, you know, you're sharing a little room with somebody. Mm -hmm. But it, there's something magical about that experience, you know, of being on the road. And you, you I've seen a lot of people come and go over the past three seasons because some people can't adapt to it you know it's mm. you know some people can be reckless and you know show up late and sort of kind of like destroy what the magic of it you know what I mean like mm -hmm. so but you really do become a family because you're living together you're spending holidays together you're you're eating together so I've never felt anything like it so fingers crossed you know when COVID decides to end its reign we can all go back to work and you know be back on the big top and hopefully tour mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about that experience because it was your first time on the tour you found it easy to adapt Oh, good question. Let me think. I, yeah, I'm, I'm easily adaptable. Um, I can, but I knew the significance of the situation. I knew that long-term, this was going to be very good for me. So I wasn't looking at it as just like a job, like some people do. I was looking at the, the longevity that would come with it. Like, okay, it would give me financial stability. It will reward me in ways that I wasn't thinking about promotions or anything. I just knew that it was going to be an experience that I would be proud to say I've had. Didn't really know the significance. Like, I kind of knew, but then once the season ended, I said, wow, that was ridiculous. And let me tell you a funny story. I was, I was, re I was ready to come back for my second season, but at, at the last minute, I didn't show up because I went, I got another job on another tour. I won't say the tour, but it was the worst experience of my life. Wow. So it was, so I went for, I'm like, and I could kick myself. I remember being so miserable on this other tour. This other tour was fancier. Like they put you in hotel rooms and you had a tour bus. Like, it seems like, oh, this mm -hmm. is for rock stars. It was the most miserable experience of my life. I remember being so I said, why didn't I just go back to the circus? And so I sh I quit. I think it was like December 2018. I quit. I won't mention the name. I quit that tour. And then I showed up at Lincoln Center just hoping that the house manager then would 
should just forgive me, you know, for not showing up. <laughs> and let me tell you, he did not, he did not want to look at me. He didn't want to talk to me. I'm not kidding. Like I, I was, he really didn't, I don't think he, I think he was a little bit upset that I, I blew him off, you know, but he hired me as a local usher. Long story short, one of the ushers got fired. So I ended up taking his spot for the tour. So it did work out. So what was your question? Oh, so the circus, yes. You can either really adapt to the situation and find it magical or you don't, you know, that's just how I've seen a lot of kids not be able to make it because it's, it's, it's a weird situation. You're away from family or what have you. It is. You're away from family. You, if it's your first time, you're new to everyone <laughs> and like different city, this different environments. I feel like no, everyone can. I haven't done a tour yet. I'm dying to do a tour. <laughs> I think you I think you would be able to adapt to it. I think, yes. Be, but like you said, it, it, having that urge to be in a new environment, like you're in a new city for, um, with Big Apple, we were in a, in a city for 30 days. Like, so about a month. So it's just enough time to, you know, enjoy on your days off. And then you're packing up going to the next city. So what's your favorite city that you visit? Favorite city? Hmm. There was some awful cities. I would have to say, I would have to say National Harbor in Maryland because it was right between um, D.C. and Virginia. And on my days off, I would take a, um, a riverboat over to Virginia or over to D.C. So that was my favorite city just because there was lots to do. We've been in cities where it's like you're Oh, in Atlanta, my my first city, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were up on a hill. <laughs> Nobody cared that we were there. Nobody. It was like the most depressing thing. It was it was that was I, that was depressing. But I but for my favorite city, I would have to say um, National Harbor in Maryland, just because of the location. We were like near the water. So you could, you know, on your days off, you could go walk by the water. And it was really fun. So tell us your experience when you get to be house manager. I came to the circus almost close to opening. So tell us how the circus starts. Um, how the circus starts like each season? Yes. From my experience, we, so we start off in, really in a farmland, like um, the fairgrounds somewhere. So we started off the season in September in New Jersey at the Sussex Fairgrounds. And I guess the circus, that was actually my first time doing the fairgrounds part. So um, it's really in the middle of nowhere. It's like a farmland. It's just nothing for miles. The closest stores is, you know, like a 20 minute drive. That's how, that's how rural it is. So you start off there and that's where the magic begins. You know, that's where rehearsals start. Let me tell you, the show that's, that, that we did at Lincoln Center was a lot different than what I saw in Sussex. Like, so it's, it's basically your dress rehearsal period. A lot of stuff is cut. A lot of stuff has changed. You know, the set list has changed. Music has changed. So it was really, it was really fascinating to watch it from the very beginning because I always came on I always missed that part. So it was, it was really cool to see everyone brand new, you know, in the big top and the show changing every day and things being cut. And I have to tell you, our ringmaster Storm, she was going through a lot of stress because they were changing. They didn't know what song to open the show with. And she was under a lot of stress because she was just trying to keep up with these changes. So it's very, it's not like, oh, this is, oh, it's so magical. It really is a lot of work for the performers because every day the things are changing. And so that's really how the situation progresses. You know, it's just like any other show. You start from scratch and opening night begins and you're kind of in a repetitive situation, more or less. Mm -hmm. So what's the worst city then? Because I think you're going to say Atlanta. 
Actually, you know what? Not the worst city. That wasn't the worst. That was the most boring. I'm not going to say the city, but that we were in this town. It was just the locals really didn't bring the energy. I, I'm not going to name the name of the state or the city, but like they were just come in. It was almost like they were forced to be there. Like they just, you know how it is like in New York, like the audience has energy and they come in and we were in this place and they, they were just like dragging their feet coming up through the door. It was like someone made them beat like it was a punishment. That was depressing. It was like a punishment for them. And I remember people just saying, why I can't, why are people so depressed here? That was odd. You know, that was odd. Just they were, they, they had no, in, they had no interest in coming to the show, you know. So let's talk again about inclusivity. We have shows that included for the deaf. Can you tell us a little bit about those two and autism? Yes. Um, the shows for um, Circus of the Senses and the shows for um, Impaired Individuals. Those, oh, the first time we did that, the first time I saw that take place, I remember, first of all, being very nervous about it because the house manager went through how we handled these, these individuals. And so I was just getting like um, anxiety, like, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to disrespect anybody. Do you know what I mean? Like it was mm -hmm. a, like I those shows really took a tug in my heart because we 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 as people with full abilities take so much for granted, whether it's our eyesight or, our, you know, our hearing. So when these little children come in who who don't have the ability to see or hear, but but they're still having the most amazing time you know, at the show, it, it really makes you emotional because we take so much for granted, yet these kids who come in who don't have a full set of abilities but are able to feel joy and express joy, mm. really overwhelming. Um, what did you think about it when you, when you first did one of those shows? I was super impressed, especially when we had the sign people that were doing the sign language to them. And like we had lights on them so like they could see the people doing the signs. And it really touched my heart at the end when like they get to like interact with the artist. And like they even touch like the horse or like they're trying to do these things that they see if they're seeing or like hearing. And it was so touching to see them interact with them because I'm sure like they don't get to experience that a lot. So it was like they feel included and they have something to feel just like kids because they're just kids. Yes, just just like you said, they're just kids and they're able to enjoy and, and still feel, we have to remember that their abilities are enhanced in other ways that ours aren't. So that's something that I learned, like these kids have enhanced abilities because of their lack of hearing or their lack of sight. So they're able to enjoy these experiences, yes, in a different way from you and I, but they're still experiencing it. I think we tend to think that these people just can't feel anything, you know, or, and that's, that, that could be society's way of dealing with it. Yeah, it's a very magical, very magical thing. And I'm really grateful that I may, we've been able to do that for them. You know, the one that really like, I won't say scare me, but worry me was the autism shows because the way they react to sound or light But actually, like, those shows were really calm. Like, I don't remember any troubles. I mean, one kid screaming louder or something, but nothing out of the ordinary that we didn't expect to. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yes, with the autism shows and, you know, how, like, how they react to certain things. Yes, those were magical, too. It's a, it's a whole different set. Of, it's a whole different ball game. but I forgot about that. Yeah. And then we had the school shows. <laughs> oh. 
yeah, yeah. The school shows, yeah, we would have loads of, of um, children coming into our show, and but school shows are pretty um, hectic because you have these large groups of school children coming in through the front door, and you better hope they have all their tickets. Those are very hectic days. Those school shows. I don't. I don't particularly miss that. So, but. But, so people that don't know, like school days, they come directly from school with the teachers, sometimes with the parents, like volunteering or something. And um, so you have a school bus with like fifty or a hundred kids at the same time, hoping for them to stay in their groups. <laughs> Found is once they'll settle, like they will listen to their teacher or volunteer, like. We didn't have that kind of problem after. I think the, the hectic part is like the first 10 minutes sitting them down. <laughs> and we also didn't have like, we didn't sell popcorn or anything. So we didn't have to worry about that. And I'm just going to call it like it is. A lot of the, the way the children behave depended on the, the adults. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen really organized adults and I've seen, I mean, teachers or guardians or whoever's with these children or people, you know, adults that, are just as bad as the children. So you're, it's, so it really depends on who's leading these children into the big top anyway, because they could be either really organized and ready to go, or they can be not ready. But yes, those days were very, very stressful, very stressful. It was very interesting to work a school show, like 11 a.m. And then during the night to have the regular show, it's like, it's like day and night, because <laughs> it's so different. It's so different. You're you're relieved when it's when it's a regular show because you know the you're it's not as hectic and yes it was day it was literally day it was morning and night it was mm -hmm. such a different it was such a different vibe. You remember we also had like a senior coming into like a group of seniors. Yes, I do remember that. Yes, yes. Yeah, we would have a, a whole array of. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. I'm sure the same goes for you. Mm -hmm. I've never seen such an array of different individuals in my life at a at a production ever. So I guess uh, so. I'm grateful for that because it's it's opened up my awareness and it's allowed it's allowed me to change and change the way I deal with situations. So we, I guess we should be grateful for that, at least that, you know, we have this experience. So our next job, if we ever can go back to work, you know, we can, we can apply what we've learned at the circus, you know, good and bad to, um, to what we do next. So how would you say it was your first year as a house manager? Oh, <laughs> I was worried if you were going to ask it, I'm not going to be, <laughs> I, how do I answer this in case anyone from the circus listens? It was really challenging in a way because I've been a man, I've had managerial positions before, um, not to the extent of running a, a, a crew that large. Mm -hmm. um, I had a staff of about maybe, oh, it was a lot of people, maybe 30 to 40. I had a lot of people on that payroll sheet, at least 30 to 40 different people that and different personalities that I had to deal with. Some knew how to do the, their job, like you, Lucy, and um, some people didn't. Some people, I just, I really went into that position expecting that people were going to behave like adults. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot. I, I learned that you, you can't um, hold people that high, that people do need to be taught a certain way. So there's things that I had to examine with myself of if I ever do that again, um, how I would do it differently. I learned a lot from it. It was very stressful. It took a lot of, by the end of a weekend, you know, it, it took a lot of energy out of me, mm -hmm. a lot of energy. 
but I'm grateful for the experience because it helped me grow. Like I said before, I never really, every, every job I had, I never really had anyone in positions of power that looked like me or, or, or acted like me. So to be promoted to that um, position, just, just by being me, you know, it really meant a lot to me, really meant a lot. I did not expect it. I remember someone said to me, the season prior, oh, you, you know, you, you should be house manager. And I'm like, yeah, like, they're not going to promote me to house manager. I, I just remember saying that, like, just they'll, they'll, they'll probably pick somebody, um, you know, else, but I was, so I was very surprised, but it was a very stressful season. And it, it, it took a lot out of me. It did. You did such a good job. Cause I could see, like, we could see the problems that nobody else saw. <laughs> and like, like you said, it's a lot of personalities different people, different backgrounds. So obviously, like, not everyone's going to agree on stuff. Not everyone's going to do the same thing at the same time, the same way. So it was a lot to feel. But what I will say is, I'm not going to say much. I'm not going to say much about the situation. But I will say that when I showed up to my first day of that position in Sussex, New Jersey, people, certain people were saying things to throw me off my game from day one. That's all I'm going to say. And So I had to work even harder to prove certain people wrong because I didn't didn't show up like as house manager being like an egomaniac, you know? So I I tried to stay as, as sincere as I could, but people, you got to be careful when you're, when you are promoted to a certain position, people will try to throw you off your game and, and undermine you. And I dealt with that for most of the run. I'm not going to say from who. But um, I, I already knew it was going to happen before the season started. So I already kind of had that armor on of like, all right, Ryan, be prepared for X, Y, and Z, because these entities are going to try to to diminish your power. And they tried to. Mm-hmm. They tried to. And I remember people saying at the end of the season that they, it was, it was kind of like one of those backhanded compliments. Like um, they said, um, Oh, I'm surprised that you made it the whole season as house manager. You know, just shady mm-hmm. things like I'm like, who says that? You know, mm-hmm. but I, I I think this person meant it in a kind way. But people will try to throw you off your game, you know, and that's that's no good. That's no good, you know. But what can you do? That's work. Not everything is perfect. Yes, yes. But I'm very, very grateful for the house manager position. And I still can't believe that it happened for me because I learned a lot. There was so much that I had to handle on a daily basis from scheduling to payroll to it, it's kind of the boring side of the circus. But there was magic in it, too. I'm trying to think of um, if there was a person there. Was, I remember on one night there was a person who was um, really bad seats. They were up in the mezzanine section. I could just feel it in my heart. They deserved to be a little bit closer. So I, I called the box office and I said, do we have anything closer? And then they, they, this, this person ended, ended up going into the second row. So it was, it was moments like that. I was happy that I had that position. I found that interesting to like see the show every night. Like you always find something new to see or something that changed that people wouldn't see. <laughs> yes. Or there's been seasons where there's been really bad accidents. Like I've seen, and on those nights, whether it was during the um, one of our trapeze acts or what have you, that's something that people forget is how dangerous mm-hmm. these acts are. And and if you are one second off, you know people can get injured. People forget how dangerous it is. I mean, you've seen it. People are flying. They're being thrown. They're why I'll always go back is because it's exciting. And even though it, it's stressful and challenging, and 
it's exciting and there's nothing like it in the world that I've experienced you know it's fabulous it's really fabulous that's what I like about live shows it's like we did I I remember that I did like more than 150 shows with you guys like 150 and it's never the same show even if it's like it can look like it but it's never the same either the show something happens even if it's a little bit or like the audience is different like every show is gonna be different Every show is going to be different. Yes, to an extent. Yes. You know, it's to us, it's, we were kind of curious to see what could go wrong in a way or like, oh, did you catch, you know, you kind of, you keep an eye out for that stuff. Yeah. It is being a part of a live show day after day. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it because it's, it's always, it's, it keeps you, uh, it keeps you awake in a way because it's, it's an energy exchange. You know, you're watching the performers and you're part of the whole, it's, it's a, it's a whole, um, that's the word I'm looking for experience. It's not just a job, you know. So tell us how the pandemic has affected you. I mean, we know how to affect the circus because it didn't come back. <laughs> uh, you know, what's funny, Lucy, is every season, some people ask me, are you coming back next season? And I said in February of last year, I said, oh, who knows what can happen? That's what I said. So I'm, I'm always ready for craziness to happen. I didn't, I, none, none of us expected the, the craziness of this, this coronavirus. I mean, it has just been absolutely horrible. I mean, look at New York now. I mean, there's no life. It's, without the arts and without that rush of like, oh, I have, I have an audition to go to or Without any of that, it's so bizarre in in New York. I'm just speaking from being in New York because it's full of life. And to see New York City without any sign of life is is depressing. But how it's impacted me at first, um, it was it, I'm sure like you, it was just a lot of uncertainty. Like how long is this going to go on? And how long, you know? But finally, like you're doing now with being productive, you know, you have to say, all right. How do I turn this into a positive experience? How do I make, how do I stay busy? I've actually worked a lot on the inside. I'm working inside out. I lost 30 pounds. Yay. And I'm taking care of myself mentally, um, working on things. You have to, you have to stay busy. You have to keep your mind open and busy. You can't, like you, Lucy, you're doing a podcast. You have to do things like that. Tonight, I'm going to do a little photo shoot for myself. I have my camera. Like you have to do little things like that because you're going to go crazy. You're going to, you're not going to, you're not going to get anything done but how are you responding to this pandemic how are you now well I feel like the same way like at, at the beginning it was too much uncertainty I've been in New York for more than 10 years I never saw like everything close and like I even avoid to go to like Times Square to see all those theater clothes like it's so hard and oh. heartbroken to see them close um, but after so much time like you have to figure out what what I'm gonna do because like this is the new reality for now. So we have to adapt to it. We have, we have to adapt. I mean, just like you said about um, Times Square, because I'm, I'm staying in Hell's Kitchen right now, just going through it, it's like an energy sucker. It, it's just, it's so depressing. So what do we, so, okay, we can't sit here and, and complain about it. I mean, we have to stay productive. And I'm trying to make the, the most of it. Hey, Ryan, talk to us about your YouTube. I found you on YouTube. <laughs> oh, God, you went digging deep. You went digging deep. Well, okay. That's a lot. That's a whole nother story. Let's, if we leave the topic of circus, um, when I first began my 
my um, journey in New York. I moved to New York when I was 18. So one of the first things I wanted to do was a web series and I wanted to do a show. And I, and the thing about New York is you're going to find other people that want to create, thank God, which is why people come here. And so a bunch of my friends at the time, we just, you know, we did this little web series and I, I went on to produce other things on my own. You know, just little things, you know, uh, nothing, nothing that ever really went um, viral or anything. But I'm really proud of the shows I did because that, that, that's what I was determined to do at that time. And there's, I have other ideas. There's things I have, there's things I want to accomplish in, in the next phase of my life that it's funny you brought up the YouTube thing because as I'm, as I'm getting ready to turn 30, I'm doing sort of like a, um, a life review and so to speak so I'm just kind of going over what I did right what I did wrong not doing it in a sense of like judging it or or mm -hmm. whether it was good or bad successful whether it was a flop I think anyone who's turning a milestone age should do a life review and just say okay well, what did I learn from this half of my life and what do I what do I do next so that's where I am I am at now and I was actually it's funny that you brought up the YouTube because I was watching them the other night just to um, be nostalgic and start preparing for my next half. And I'm really proud of what we did. You know, we had no money, we had no budget, but there's something about getting people together and making something, you know, and being creative. So yeah, there'll, there'll be more things in the works. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of comedy and there's things I want to do and different um, ideas I have. So we'll see. So Ryan, what are you expecting of 2021? Oh, good Lord. 2021. I'm going to continue to, I have no expectations for anything. I, I'm not, I, I, I have no expectations. So I'm just living it day by day as everybody else is. And we'll see what happens. Yes. So mm. Ryan, for anyone that wants to like follow you, what is your social media? Oh, social media. You can follow me on Instagram. I don't have Twitter or anything. So it's my name, Ryan Burton, NYC. And that's on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram as well at the 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. The 7 p.m. Cafe Podcast. Ryan, thank you so much for coming to do an episode with us. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.